Hello, my lovey. You are an amazing, miraculous, gorgeous, complex creature. Welcome back to the show. Whatever you're navigating in the diaspora of poopecularness that is our earth, all right, what this podcast, ZFG Living Podcast, is here for you to do is get real about your mental health struggles, get curious about what gifts they're bringing you, and how to rewrite not just our story, but our actual subconscious programming. So every week, we will explore proven strategies, paradigm-shifting perspectives. We're going to help you get unstuck and start living your most intentional, aligned, joyful life. So if you're ready to get out of overwhelm and into empowerment, if you're ready to stop surviving and start thriving, well, come on, grab your journal. Let's do this. Okay. Hello, my lovey. We are so lucky to be here with Erica Scott, PhD. (laughs) She is a board certified registered art therapist, a registered expressive art therapist. And just in case that's not enough, and I haven't even gotten to her bio yet. Uh, She's an honorary fellow of the International Society for the Study of Trauma and Dissociation, which is the oldest trauma organization in the world. Thank you for joining us, Erica. I'm going to get (laughs) more into your bio uh, right now. This authentic, dedicated, passionate, licensed, and certified creative arts psychotherapist, artist, author, and advocate for disempowered populations. Y'all know that's my jam. For 39 years, she has worked with those who struggle with substance and behavioral use disorders, victims of trauma, complex trauma, torture, dissociation, and victims of sex trafficking. Her commitment to health, wellness, and art as medicine includes experiential teaching, professional clinicians, medical doctors, the public, and for her own personal health journey. Her investment in social change via the arts across the world includes travel, presentations, collaboration, and cultural exchange in four continents. Dr. Scott is a healer who walks the fine line between mysticism and evidence-based psychotherapy. Boom! Her worldwide workshops bring hope and healing to diverse populations. Welcome, Erica. Thank you. I've been looking forward to meeting with you today for weeks. And yes. so thank you. I. Uh, I admire you so much and what you're doing and what you contribute to the world. So I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm uh, stunned to, wow. Okay. Before I start fangirling all over you. Well, let's enjoy it. (laughs) Yes. Um, So we talked uh, and had just a roaring great time uh, Mm -hmm. discussing your uh, haiku workshop, your poetry workshop. So can you Mm -hmm. please tell the listener about that? I'd be happy to. So I began using haiku poetry, which is a Japanese style of writing poetry from started in the 1600s with a traveling monk named Bashu. And it's a very, very simple, easy way for people to start writing poetry because it's about counting syllables versus rhyming. And it's about using nature as a symbol or metaphor for your experiences in life, which is lovely because nature, the the seasons, spring, summer, 
fall and winter so well mimic our seasons of life and puts them in context in a way that's normative and not pathological um, and not one with regret. It's just the season of life. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Uh, And I'm a huge fan of using the seasons for all sorts of metaphors, because as we change ourselves and these transformations occur, you know, we're, we're still the same planet, so to speak, that's having these, these changes. So I love it. I'm all about it. I just an aside, but it's too great to pass up this minute. I was engaged to a French farmer in my youth. And one time I asked him, what is your favorite season in Provence, which is one of the most beautiful places in the world? And he did the typical French thing where he shrugged his shoulder and he said, well, uh, I have to say winter, spring, summer, and fall. And I thought that was such a beautiful answer. Uh, And that is part of how this workshop works for us. So... I started using this with a client in Texas Mm -hmm. 35 years ago. And she was a lovely woman at a crossroads. And it was one of those unusual crossroads where there wasn't a wrong choice. It's rare that this happens, right? 50%. It was juicy. And it was, it's, if she was frozen. She couldn't decide which was better because they were both good, right? And so I knew she drew, drove through the countryside to my office. So I asked her to start taking photos of the nature. And she brought these. Ex- I used to teach fine art photography in Europe. She brought in these exquisite, tiny factory made photos that she had shot her composition her sense of like contrast her depth of field she had a natural talent That's so cool. and her sense of light and they were they were so beautiful I said these are like poems and then I thought you should be writing poems well she didn't know how and uh uh person in my life said, well, try haiku. Start with that. So I read about four books about haiku and uh, I taught her how to write haiku. And then her poems were just as beautiful as her her, her photos of nature. So and cool. so, um, and by the way, while I think of it, the person who is one of the best writers about haiku, I think it's here in my handout. And you're welcome to give out my handout. Okay. okay. It's an old book published in 1992, and it's by Harold G. Henderson. And it's a beautiful book about how to write your own haiku. So haiku can be written informally, like a parlor game. And it can be written, there's there's also people who write haiku as a high art form. Okay. So what I like is that clients can land anywhere on that continuum and it's still therapeutic. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So to write a haiku, uh, it's three lines. Now I've written a haiku where I wrote haiku almost like stanzas. That was just the way I did it one time. But 
It's only three lines, so it's not very intimidating. And the first line is five syllables. So I'm asking you to write this down because you're writing one, right? You're going to yeah. write one day. Yep. The first line is five syllables. The second line is seven syllables. And the third line is five syllables again. Now here's the catch. Okay. You can break all of those rules. <laughs> you don't have to follow those rules. So if you're off one syllable, but it's important to kind of struggle with it, like a little bit like a puzzle for a few minutes, okay. like to see if you can fit the syllables just right. And because it's about cadence, not rhyme. It's about rhythm okay. as much as it is about everything, anything else. So, um, so, but before I have people write a haiku, I have learned that it's been really helpful to have them write about a vivid experience in their life. So I'm going to ask you to think about a vivid experience and you'll probably think of several. Okay. One that stands out for you. One that's pertinent to your life today and might be a vivid experience from five or 10 years ago, but pertinent today. And then I'm going, since we're on uh, video and public, I'm going to ask you to select the one that's most appropriate to share right. with a public audience because okay. you're a professional here. Yep. But have you thought of a, a, an event that stands out for you in a vivid way that's pertinent to your life today? Pretty broad, but people usually come up with something. Yeah. Oh, I have tons. That's the problem. I'm trying to pick uh, the one. The one um, that comes across as most vivid, most clear, most conscious. Um, it would be the, seeing the whales, I think. Uh, on the whales. This yeah. Okay. And that's pertinent to your life today in what way? Because it's just such a reminder of the absolute majesty and the integral worth of every single creature. There you go. Okay. And we all need reminding of that, especially in an era of so much loss and death. Okay. That's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Okay. So what I'll do is first ask you to write about the whale event. So it's called stream of consciousness writing, or Freud called it free association. And basically it means don't worry about punctuation, spelling, grammar, write as fast as you can to bypass your blocks, any frontal mm -hmm. lobe blocks or inner critics, and add as many adjectives and adverbs and descriptors as you can. So not just the whale and the ocean. We all know the whale is in the ocean. I mean, that certainly can be part of it, but describe the whale, describe their skin, describe the temperature of the day, the color of the boat, what you are wearing, everything you can think of, put it in this. So uh, maybe five minutes or 10, what do you think you need for this? Five? Um, I don't know. I'm just going to start writing down because it was so, the thing that was so incredible was just seeing like how long the spine was as ah. it was arcing. It just kept going and going. And then I was like, well, how big are the vertebrae? You know what I mean? <laughs> and like immediately, because like you just still have the same number of bones, you know, because we're all not that different. Creatures with skeletons are, have a lot of similarities. And um, I love your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I love your mind. 
That is so great. Okay. So I'm going to say on your mark, get set, go and okay. write. Okay. Right. And write yep. as fast as you can, all the descriptors, all the adjectives, adverbs you can think of. Okay. okay. Like you're a court reporter and you've got to present this to the court of law as something to document. All right. Okay. Fast, fast, fast. Okay. I'll give you 10 minutes. And if you stop before then, that's great. Okay. But no, no, no rush. Okay. I feel like I've thoroughly okay. described this moment. Great. So now you have the foundation or the building bricks to write your point. The words that you've written will help you write your point. So five syllables, seven syllables, and five. And it's not about rhyming. It's about rhythm, cadence. Okay. And you can't do it wrong. <laughs> My experience about using the creative arts and therapy is that when people write authentically, when they paint authentically, what they're experiencing inside of their heart and soul, that they become really good, very original artists. And sometimes their art with no art classes whatsoever ends up being better than art I saw in graduate school. I feel like you could write 800 of these. You could. In fact, I usually encourage people to write more than one. Some people write faster than others. So. Mm -hmm. Because, well, the first one that I've come up with is Sleek Leviathan, Elegantly Arching or the Breathless Ocean. Mm. So go ahead and write another one. Like include you in it and this season. A reference. Well, I guess you got nature. No, never mind. Just but have you in it somehow. Does it have to be a sentence? No. Sorry about that. Uh, let's see. More motion than whale. Cold, dark water making way. Grace amazes me. All right. Could you um, maybe slow down a little bit when you read that and breathe? Okay. Yeah. And be there. More motion than whale. Cold, dark water making way. Grace amazes me. There you go. Was that different when you read it more slowly? Yes, definitely. Yeah. It's really, really beautiful. This is so flickety flargan fun. <laughs> so someone asked me recently, oh, there's my timer. Sorry. Uh, someone asked me recently how I had been a therapist for so long with such heavy material. And mm. I said, because of the art and because of the creativity and because it is fun. And then we're juxtapositioning fun, sometimes with horror. And that becomes a polarity. And in my opinion, it's the polarities that heal us even more than positive thinking. It's holding the light and the dark juxtaposition together based in reality that creates the biggest spark of growth. That's gorgeous. Yeah. It's very, it's very Jung, Carl Jung, but a slightly modernized. Mm -hmm. type. Yeah. Well, and also when, 
but I think that what is amazing, and you talk about the heaviness of the work, and I certainly haven't dealt with the depth and the breadth of clients that you have, mm-hmm. you know, nor do I have your certifications. Okay. I'm a life coach and dealing with people who've undergone trauma that has disordered their approach to living. Yeah. It's not, it's funny. Like people always talk about the hard work. You did the hard work. They're doing the hard work. And it it's, it's difficult because we're not, um, we don't go through life in Western society, getting in touch with who we are and, at our core and what we actually uh, think about the nature of being or our spirit or yeah. how we interact with others. And when it, like, I feel like it's such a gift when people trust me to guide them through that. And so even though you're walking through you, you know, the forests of abuse or, you know, sexual trauma or assault or molestation, incest, you know, all the things that are very heavy and that I personally have experienced, it's still joyous because you can just see it's like scabs just being washed off and the new skin is underneath. And so it, it is heavy. And yeah. yet, it's so incredibly helpful and there's such yeah. joy underneath that. There is. And yes, so you're doing the good work. Yes. Let's call it the good work instead of the hard work. <laughs> because it's, it's important. I do think it's off-putting to a lot of people because all they know is they've got some like angry hornets buzzing around in their subconscious underneath the surface and they don't know what's going to happen when that gets opened. And certainly there's cathartic emotions sometimes and we have to feel through it. And, you know, there can be grief for what might have been and what could not have been. Absolutely. And, but it still leads to, I'm, I'm, I just, we're selfish creatures for me it just leads to like that juicy part when I'm first waking up and I'm excited for the day I'm it never gonna get tired of that transformation yes. and in a way that uh people get to be more authentic and more creative and whole mm-hmm. than they've ever been or could have been right um someone was asking me about creative blocks and I think trauma is the biggest block to creativity there is. And healing the trauma is the biggest resolution to blocks to creativity that there is. Um, right. There was a darling uh, event. I was doing a workshop for the Andrew Weil workshop, Andrew Weil's uh, training program for um, associate fellows. They were all studying. Uh, integrative medicine at the University of Arizona. I had way too many people in this workshop, but it was such a wonderful work. I think there are at least 50 people, 50 doctors. And one doctor, I I had everybody painting life-size silhouettes. So they traced their body uh, on butcher block paper and they were to put their whole history. Oh, wow. A visual history on it. And one doctor sat at the base of his empty silhouette with his arms crossed and everybody else was painting. So I approached him and I said, so what's going on? And he said, I'm really blocked. 
And I said, paint your block. This is about 20 odd years ago. Mm -hmm. And he got up and he painted a huge stop sign in the middle of his chest. And then he drew a line. You know how when you have like no parking and there's a line through the sign from an Mm -hmm. angle, like a diagonal. So he did the huge stop sign, which means stop. And then he put the diagonal line through it, which means go. Wow. And two things happened is he began painting the rest of his silhouette. And the other thing that happened, and this is also an intrinsic part of the creative arts, is his friends in the workshop started to approach him and ask him about the stop sign, which was exactly what he needed. Because when we're blocked or stuck or frustrated, I'm sorry, my eyes are tearing a little bit. Um, we need community, right? And we don't have enough of that in our world and modern society. So I think, uh, what's interesting is the research, um, that is being continues to be done, uh, about having, uh, you know, treating addictions with connection and with compassion, uh, and it seems less like medical and yes. yet it feels so right. So right. That's where that was Bill Wilson's genius. And there are people that knew Bill Wilson's that said, there's no way that he wrote that by himself. Well, I don't think he wrote it by himself. I think he was a divinely inspired mm-hmm. and he got, and he was also from Maine. So he got the community or Vermont or somewhere in the far right. Northeast. Very nature nature and uh community and so he included that in his design of the 12-step process and yeah. he's helped so many people with that mm-hmm. yeah, that's How about huge. that i know it's huge so um i'd like to read one or two poems by bashu from is that all right Please, yes, I'm grinning like a a fool. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so Bashu traveled and he had a journal and he called his uh, travels the journey within. And so he wrote this one between, this is an earlier one, so I'm going to do it in order of age because you'll see how he uses nature to portray the seasons of his life in aging. in in these four little poems so this one's from like 1662 to 1672 the old lady cherry is blossoming a remembrance of years ago the second poem from that same era the first snow daffodil, daffodil leaves bend under the weight The third poem is a little bit later, 1686 from 1691. Weary from travel, I seek lodging for the night, wisteria flowers. And the last one from 1692 to 1694. On a journey ailing, my dreams roam about over a withered moor. 
That is, they're fascinatingly different. Which one do you like best? I I can't separate them because they're the all more about his journey. And they're so lovely in their description of his like joy of the cherry tree blooming. And he wasn't a spring chicken when he wrote the first poem. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about remembrance of years ago. And then the next one about snow and daffodil leaves bending under the weight. It's a clue. It's a little foreshadowing. And then weary from travel. He's seeking lodging for the night. But then there are wisteria flowers. There's still joy and beauty. And then the last one, his dreams roam about over a withered moor. And he's ill on his journey. But he still has his dreams. This is, it's a, it's a poetic expression of how we get to focus on what we want and what serves us. Yeah. You know, whether you can choose to focus on the light, the joy, the love, or the dark, the fear, the hate. And, and instead yeah, of, yeah. Go ahead. And then I was going to say, of, instead of focusing on the weariness, I mean, that that's there and he owns it. Mm-hmm. And also in the way that our world does, there's wisteria. <laughs> yeah. This is fun. Thank you. Thank you for being so much fun. Oh, this is amazing. I I, I feel like we could talk for seven hours oh, and just easily. barely scratch the surface. So right. I look forward to having you back on the podcast thank you and you know we did kind of go all over the map but I like it I I like that's part of creativity is that you kind of bounce from one idea to another it's like brainstorming and I I love it I love this so I I can focus if you want to be more focused next time I promise I'll give myself I'll put sticky notes all across my monitors (laughs) no it's not it's not necessary for me some people I say that because some people might not quite get our process and that's fine so this is a very creative engaged dynamic um brilliant process this is a little different and this is critical to creativity and I would say it's also critical to healing because Absolutely. there are jagged parts of us that are extending yeah. in all different ways. And one right. thing is going to heal this part and another thing is going to heal that part. Right. And and uh, you can always add the structure later. Absolutely. And yeah. and the repetition and the structure, I think, is critical, especially when you get into, you know, mindset work and reprogramming that, you know, nasty subconscious, the inner critic, <laughs> uh, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah. However... You have to be able to get there first. That's right. And that's where I am so honored for you to join here today and share parts of your processes and how you've managed to affect such amazing changes for so many, so many beautiful people. I'm so grateful for you to, um, I love your passion and your intelligence. So thank you. I spend this, I could do, I could do this every day. I receive, I receive, and I agree. (laughs) Yes, we will be doing this more often, just 
Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Dr. Erica Scott here with us today, sharing the wisdom bombs. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. My lovey, thank you so much for listening. If this episode struck a chord with you, just know you do not have to be defined by whatever bullshittery has happened to you. And you can experience joy while you work on the heavier stuff. There's a link in the show notes where you can book a call with me and talk about how you can move forward with that because there's so much joy in living and you don't have to have it be heavy all the time. 